I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. Well, Either the algorithms have been lying to us over the last few weeks, or they've all gone on holiday, like many in the population, those that can still afford to do so. Because our near one million audience for last week's show is truly phenomenal and out of kilter with the results that have been posted, at least by the big tech dictatorships over the last six or seven weeks when fewer than half of those numbers were recorded. So either we more than doubled our audience last Sunday or something fishy is going on. What can I say? What can I do? Not until we have truly independent media houses of our own will we be free of the tyranny of Sir Nick Clegg, who decides what we get to see on Facebook. And I don't want to go into Twitter because I have a legal action pending against them. But the numbers were phenomenal. The interview with Gonzalo Lira uh, on the Ukraine, from the Ukraine, pulled a staggering 320,000 views. And by the way, it's still going up at several thousand every day. God knows where that number will end. My monologue had more than 350,000 views. And it wasn't even a particularly good one, although they're usually important. They're not always as articulate as I'd like them to be. But maybe it's that we are talking about things and from a perspective that simply is not available from other sections of the media. Perhaps the public has suddenly grown tired of the monotone of militarized propaganda, militarized mendacity from the mainstream media, particularly on the issue of Ukraine. They're still debating whether American missiles fired from Ukraine at a prison in the liberated Donbass which killed hundreds of prisoners of war, came from Ukraine or came from Russia. The Daily Mail ran a cyclist who narrowly escaped death in Leninsky Prospect, which might have been a clue as to where it stood on the map in Ukraine these days. And it actually said this cyclist escaped death by a second as Russians shelled Donetsk, which has been liberated territory from the Kiev regime for more than eight years and flies the Russian flag. They're still unable to tell their audience in the general public of North America, Europe, and the United Kingdom that the war is comprehensively lost 
that the good money that continues to be thrown at it is good money after bad. They are still unable to tell their population that Russia can, controls almost half of the territory of Ukraine, or will do by the end of the summer. They're still unable to tell their population that despite hundreds of billions of pounds, euros and dollars expended on the Ukrainian regime, much if not most of it has disappeared out the back door in the suitcases of the corrupt oligarchy of Ukraine. An oligarchy which they themselves routinely described as the most corrupt country in Europe. Year after year after year, it won that prize. Yet they are still giving it your money when you cannot afford or soon won't be to heat your home. Large families this winter in Britain will be spending one third of their total take-home income on energy, one third. It will be thousands of pounds per year to heat your home. You'll have to choose between heating and eating. I've driven thousands of miles in the European mainland in the course of this summer, and I have never once paid anything remotely approaching the price that you in Britain are paying for petrol and for diesel. And we in the United Kingdom are not even dependent on Russian oil and gas. We've got our own oil. Only 5% of our gas came from Russia. So how come one third of our wages are going to be spent on our gas and electricity bills? You'd need to ask the people who pass for the government of the United Kingdom about that. But the governments in Europe are going down like nine pins. The Italian government has gone. The Bulgarian government has gone. The French president has lost his majority. Boris Johnson has lost his seat in 10 Downing Street. Joe Biden has lost his mind. The self-harm of the economic war that we have launched against Russia, as JP Morgan no less said today, is entirely self-harming. It is not harming Russia one little jot. Russia has wheeled its whole economy to the east, to the countries of Africa, of Asia, of Latin America, of the Eurasian heartland itself, Russia and China, and has not lost a cent, not one cent, as a result of the economic war that we have launched. And yet, our leaders continue to double down on it. More fool us. I'm sorry to be blunt. If you're ready quietly to pay a third of your wages in gas and electricity costs, there's nothing more I can do for you. If you are ready to go on supporting a war which is already lost, there's nothing much more I can do for you. If you're ready to continue to support governments like Biden's, like Boris's, soon to be Truss's, Sunak be as well, 
chucking it, you know, is going to get very badly embarrassed if he goes ahead in this contest. Liz Truss has already nailed on the dimmest 30-watt bulb prime minister that Britain has ever had, and we've had some stumors, I can tell you. If you're ready to continue to go quietly into that good night, there's nothing much more I can do for you, except shout myself hoarse by telling you the truth. You can tune into it if you like. You can accept it if you like. You can reject it if you like. But it is, for the moment, all that I can do. Now, the Sunday Times seems to be running something of a campaign against the heir to the throne, Charles Windsor. Mind you, he doesn't have give them ammunition. It emerges in this morning's newspaper that Prince Charles has accepted nine years ago, not that long after 9-11, accepted $1.2 million in a charitable donation from the Bin Laden family in Saudi Arabia, even though all his aides, advisors, warned him against doing so. It's a pity the government wasn't involved in that, by the way. It's a pity he didn't inform number 10 that Bin Laden wanted to give him $1.2 million, should he accept it or not. Or maybe he did inform Downing Street and they just didn't do anything about it. I, for one, would like to know. Because if Prince Charles is going around like a bad lady, collecting millions of dollars in cash from plutocrats and corrupt potentates and the family of the world's biggest terrorist, Osama bin Laden, with his bag out, waiting for the cash to drop in, I, for one, want to know about it, and I certainly demand that my government should know about it. A million from Qatar, 1.2 million from Bin Laden. How many more? How much more? And from where? What are we going to learn next? That some of the great train robbery money was banked at the Bank of Charles? Why do we have to depend on the Sunday Times to reveal these things? When will the heir to the British throne come clean and publish his accounts, cash donations and all? Tell us which rum chorus of characters he's been banking money from. Assume that he banked it, of course. It did come in in cash, after all. If any politician had received $1.2 million dollars, from bin Laden in cash, he'd already have resigned. He'd already have been sacked. How come Prince Charles isn't sacked? How come he hasn't resigned? Now, of course, his great mentor was Lord Louis Mountbatten. You know about him, right? It's a family show and my own children are here, so I won't go too deeply into it. But just what else did Prince Charles learn from Lord Louis Mountbatten? You see, Charles is not the aberration here. There's Charles, there's Charles, there's Mountbatten, there's Prince Andrew. 
There's any number of them. The aberration actually is the queen. She seems to be the only decent one amongst them. Prince Philip, whose burial we all honored, including here on the mother of all talk shows, was a very rum character himself. And our friend who'll be with us this evening, Andrew Loney, had to spend £450,000 of his own money with the government spending £5 million of yours trying to stop him getting access to Mark Batten's correspondence, which had been paid for by the British public through the lottery fund in order to get access to papers that should and were intended to be in the public domain. And you know why they spent those millions trying to deny researchers access to the correspondence? Because it revealed the long line of adultery committed by the very same Prince Philip over the course of his long marriage to Her Majesty the Queen. So Charles ain't no aberrant figure here. It's the Queen that's the aberration. Why do I care? I care because absurdly in 2022 or in 2023, long life to Her Majesty, this man is going to become the head of state, a bad man, a bad lady, talking to trees and carrying around a paper bag in the hope that some Arab sheik will drop a million dollars into it that he won't tell us about and may be compromised as a result. Maybe has already been compromised as a result. Don't you care that your country's head of state is a bag lady for the Sheikh of Arabi? I myself do and want to agitate you to care about it also. I told you about Liz Truss. She's already nailed on as Britain's new prime minister. As I said on Wednesday on the Galloway show, her mouth opens and shuts right enough, like a fish lying frozen on a slab. The mouth opens and shuts, but nothing comes out. Nothing is there behind those dead eyes. Liz Truss is as dim as she looks, as dim as a 30-watt bulb. Well, I'd like to say you deserve her, but actually it was the liberals and progressives and new laborites who brought her your way. They're desperately trying to shill for Rishi Sunak now, but they're going to get Liz Truss because we had Boris Johnson. How did we have Boris Johnson? Because... The Guardian and its friends in politics destroyed Jeremy Corbyn. They decided they'd rather have Boris Johnson than Jeremy Corbyn. Never let them forget that. They betrayed Britain by their backstabbing political assassination of a man that came just 2,227 votes away 
from being the Prime Minister of Britain, then you'd never have heard of Prime Minister Boris Johnson or Prime Minister Liz Truss. Mind you, we've got Keith Starmer, the Labour leader, burning up the inside track. Well, not quite. He made a most ill-advised visit to the great city of Liverpool this week. The great citadel of socialist politics and the city filled with one of my favorite populations in all the world. And one of my favorites of those is also a guest on the show this week. Audrey White is not just Britain's best known pensioner. She is not just Britain's battling pensioner. She was battling for trade unionism decades ago. The TUC recognized her as one of the most influential women in British trade union politics decades before. She's been fighting for the real labor ideals when Keith Starmer was still a mutant Trotskyite in a sect, a groupuscle, now completely forgotten when he was campaigning for the overthrow of the British monarchy. But now, He's a knight. Once a knight is enough to still any such rebellious ideas. Audrey White bearded Keir Starmer in Liverpool in a video that's now been watched millions of times. She made the big time. Glenda Jackson once played her in a movie. But Audrey, in her own right, has now made the big time, seen by more people than Glenda Jackson's movie. Because Audrey White had the courage to beard Keith Starmer and tell him where he's going wrong and what the consequences of what he's going wrong with are going to be for the mass of the people, not least in Liverpool. Mind you, you can't say Starmer and the new Labour crew aren't decisive. They acted decisively and the very next day they expelled Audrey White from the ranks of the Labour Party after many decades of Labour membership. Well done, Keith. That's the kind of smack of firm government that's going to take you all the way. To oblivion. Get phoning now. The phone numbers are there on the screen. We've got two polls out this evening. Will China take military action against the US over Taiwan? I intend to say a bit more about that later. A, yes, 57%. B, no, 43%. That's on Twitter. On YouTube, please subscribe to my channel. Half of the people watching this on YouTube have not yet subscribed to my YouTube channel. Yes, 96% on YouTube, no, 4%. What a remarkable difference. And on Telegram, t.me forward slash George Galloway, yes, 70%, no, 30%. 5,900 people have voted already. Please get your vote in before the end of the show. And the second poll, and I'll have something to say about this also, is Zelensky taking the US and European taxpayers 
for a ride, a very expensive, very green ride. Yes, 95%, no 5% on Twitter. And yes, 67% on YouTube, no 33%. And on Telegram, yes, 98%, no 2%. Get voting. You've got an hour or more to record your vote. Now, Andrew Loney uh, is one of my favorite authors and talkers, and in fact has been one of the most popular guests on this show over the last year or two, racking up tremendous numbers. For his peerless intellectuality and fearless, fearless pursuit, dogged pursuit at his own expense of the truth, not just about Lord Mountbatten, but about the traitor abdicated king who literally was a Nazi collaborator. As you're about to find out, Andrew Loney joins us again now. Andrew, welcome back to the show. It's always a pleasure. I'll ask you about your speciality subjects in a minute, but did it raise your eyebrows that Prince Charles turns out to be such a bag man? Yes, it did. Um, I mean, we've really had a situation like this with Dumfries House. You know, he clearly has no judgment. Uh, he doesn't take the advice of people who are there to advise him. And I think it's, it's not clear whether the Foreign Office knew about this or not. So it does raise all sorts of questions, but it means that we need greater scrutiny of the royal family because if this is what we're discovering under present conditions, where there is uh, a lot they can do to protect people finding out anything about them, then one wonders what else is going on. Uh, and it's only because of particular papers uh, and programs that we're beginning to get the truth about some of their activities. Uh, my next book is on Prince Andrew. I'll be looking very closely at his role as a trade envoy and how far he was using that government role to line his own pocket. Uh, and indeed, whether it was cover under the charitable activities of his wife that was used to line her pocket. Because I think these are very serious things. We pay a lot for the royal family. We look up to them. We expect them to behave properly uh, and with good judgment and uh, with honesty. Uh, and I have to say the headlines today are a particularly low point in the history of the monarchy. Well, thank God for Gabriel Pogrant. His mother uh, is a great friend of mine in South Africa, though I haven't seen her for many years. And thank God for the Sunday Times. And I don't often say that. Uh, the Sunday Times has now revealed two lots of one million plus donations from, uh, in one case, a questionable source, uh, and in the other, an outrageous source. It's questionable whether you should accept a million pounds in cash in paper bags from the absolute monarchy in Qatar. You could make a case for it, but it's questionable. And the, the provenance and the, the method is questionable. But for someone to imagine in 2013 that they could take a secret donation of more than a million pounds from the Bin Laden family, well, this is Berser. Well, let's hope that perhaps as a result of this, there's more openness and transparency about royal finances. You know, we, of course, know that royal wells are sealed. Uh, they reveal very little about their finances. Uh, and I think, you know, if Charles is to make the transition to be king, 
I think he has to declare at this point that he's going to be much more open uh, about his charitable foundations. I think it's very interesting if you look at the trustees, they're all part of a very close-knit group. There's very little independence there. They're all part of the same little coterie. Uh, And I think we need to have outsiders looking at this, proper regulation. Uh, And I think we also need to get rid of Section 37, the Freedom Information Act, which basically gives a get-out-of-jail-free card to the royal family and avoids them having uh, having to reveal anything. Uh, One of the things I found in my great campaign for the Mountbatten Diaries was that any reference to a member of the royal family under the Section 37 can be deleted even though it may be 100 years old, even though Prince Harry is writing his own book and is uh, collaborating with people to write books uh, about the present royals and present things. So I think it's shocking. It's like living in a Badana Republic uh, that we as historians cannot get access to documents about the past when that's been curated by PR people working for the royal family. Well, a banana republic with no bananas and no republic, uh, that's a sorry past. It was transparency that led you uh, to uh, lose, I think I can say, painful to hear, I'm sure, £400,000 and more uh, to get access to diaries that the public had already paid for, for the purpose of the public getting access. You won your case, but the government spent millions resisting you, again, of our money, and yet... You won the case and don't get your costs. How does that work? Well, I have to say I've lost slight faith in the legal system. I don't know what happened there because 30,000 pages, uh, some 99.8% of the material was released. Uh, In fact, before the hearing, uh, this was material bought 10 years ago and without this campaign would, would never have seen the light of day. It was also bought under the acceptance and loose scheme, which the one of the criteria is, of course, it is open to the public. And I think one of the shocking things for me was that the uh, Cabinet Office have lied continually over the last 10 years about this material. They've lied to Parliament, to the media, and indeed to the courts about this. Uh, uh, they're actually refusing to give the exact costs of this litigation, uh, which they brought against me after the Information Commission ruled this material should be made available, uh, which is, again, rather concerning. Uh, there's also a very important new collection, or old collection, bought at the same time. This is the correspondence between Nehru and his lover, Edwina Mountbatten. Uh, the Southampton only need to spend £100 to release the option and release this material. They're refusing to do so. They're refusing to explain why they haven't done so. Uh, and I think this is part of my new campaign. I'm working hard to try and get this 450000 reimbursed because, as you say, I succeeded in my aim. The material was released. The uh, behaviour of the Cabinet Office in Southampton was unreasonable. They, in fact, had the unprecedented uh, distinction of having the Information Commissioner bring contempt of court proceedings against them, which had never happened before. There were eight information notices about them forcing them to answer questions from my uh, lawyers. Uh, So it's a pretty sorry state of affairs. And I think the sad thing is that the court's did not really recognise this story. Uh, and um, I'm still appealing for my costs, uh, though I don't have a great deal of hope that I will cover them. I've moved on. My book came out several years ago, but I felt it was an important issue about censorship and about the freedom of speech. And also it was important that this collection uh, should be available to the public. Uh, and I'm trying to raise some money through crowd justice to try and at least pay 
um, the remaining 50,000 of the bill that I haven't been able to settle so far. But it is frightening if historians are well, basically I, I people. Hope, uh, I hope the audience... Yeah, I hope the audience uh, rally uh, to your side on that one, Andrew. What were they trying to cover up? Why did they spend millions of pounds to suppress uh, the information you were looking for? I'm afraid it's face-saving. I mean, I'd like to say they were covering up uh, Prince Philip's peccadilloes, which the mayor suggested today. But I think the truth is that they were caught uh, telling lies. They had to continue uh, and uh, even the redactions that they've insisted on uh, are often material already in the public domain. Uh, the diaries of Mountbatten, many of them were actually published 40 years ago. Uh, and this material has also been copied into other books, particularly memoirs by other members of the Mountbatten family. So the government, for example, uh, said that uh, we would uh, jeopardise our relations with India and Pakistan if a one-word reference in Lady Mountbatten's diary 75 years ago to Jinnah was released. Uh, they've covered up the identity of an organization called P that operated during the Second World War, which is extremely well known because undergrounds of national security. This is, this is the culture of secrecy that I'm afraid historians are having to battle against, uh, and which uh, I hope citizens will begin to, to, um, begin to, to, to make waves about. Because unless people, MPs and indeed historians and the general public make a fuss, more and more of our civil liberties will be eroded. Now, uh, let's turn to uh, our traitor king, uh, the king that was, uh, and who thereafter collaborated with our enemies. Your book on this, uh, I've not yet myself read it, but I'm told that it's brilliant. Tell us about it, please. Well, the book uh, really makes the case, I think, pretty conclusively, and the the critics have agreed, that the Duke of Windsor was uh, not an innocent Duke of the Nazis, but a stooge for them. Uh, He was quite prepared to negotiate with them in the summer of 1940 with a view to coming back as a puppet king. He sent messages to them in code, uh, even when uh, Churchill had threatened him with court-martial and sent him off to the Bahamas as governor, that he was prepared to come back. He uh, had a whole series of very unfortunate uh, close friendships with Nazi agents, ranging from a man called Charles Bedo, who lent him his chateau for the Duke's wedding, through to a Swedish industrialist called Axel Wenegren. Um And uh, this is based on archival research around the world. I'm afraid the archives here have been weeded, so you're not going to find it here. But private diaries, uh, archives, for example, in the Bahamas, uh, in Spain, um, in Russia, in Portugal. Secret service reports, because he was under surveillance by both the FBI, the Portuguese, the French, uh, and the British. His own special protection officer was reporting back to special branch about him. And it's pretty clear that uh, he um, was disloyal to this country. People were executed for far less than he did. The whole story was covered up after the war when captured German documents showed the extent of his treachery. Churchill tried to have the material destroyed, but they had been discovered by the Americans who passed them to American historians, and the historians insisted that this material should be published. But the British still managed to keep the whole thing quiet until 1957. I think one of the sad things is that many of these files continue to be destroyed. The special branch files are on him. His father put him under surveillance from MI5. Only one file was released in 2004 after the Queen Mother died. All the others were destroyed. And one just wonders how many other files that prove embarrassing to the government or to the royal family are destroyed with no record being kept. Uh, we have a Public Records Act which requires this material to be placed in public records for people to look at. 
And I'm afraid that is being abused and has got worse under the present government. I've asked you this before, but given all you know, and in fact, all you've told us, how can you still cling to your uh, faith in monarchy and in this royal family in particular? Well, I may be an optimist. Uh, I'm a great believer that the monarchy is a good system. Uh, and as you say, we have some, we have the Queen and others who, who have been uh, absolutely uh, wonderful. Uh, so I'm only really dealing with the rogue royals, the, the Prince Andrews and, and, and the Duke of Windsors uh, and others. Um, but uh, the more I research royal biography, I have to say the less I become a monarchist. Uh, and I think, you know, public opinion certainly is changing. If people like me are disillusioned with the monarchy, then they really do have problems. By the way, in my counterfactual historical novels, the Queen's Way series, uh, the Duke of Windsor does come back and Queen Wallace does sit on the throne in Buckingham Palace. But, spoiler alert, it doesn't end well for them. Andrew Loney, thank you, as always, for joining us on the mother of old talk shows. Do help uh, Andrew's uh, legal fees. Now, the English women have won the European champions. And there was no penalty shootout. If there had been, of course, Germany would have triumphed because that's how things work. Uh, so the Lionesses have won Euro 22, uh, 2-1 in extra time. Hooray for England's women. Very, very glad. There was 87,000 people at the game. 87,000. How women's football has taken off. I'm very glad to say. Jason Stewart uh, donated £4.49 and says, proud to be part of your informed worldwide audience. Where is your YouTube plaque? If only I knew. But I'll tell you what is coming. My good wife, Gayatri, has designed wonderful merchandise for all the students, the alumni of the Open University of the Airwaves. There's going to be sweatshirts, hoodies, T-shirts, hats, pajamas, cats' pajamas, everything with the Moats logo on it. And I'm a graduate of the Open University of the Airways. She hoped to be able to model all of these things tonight, but considering we're in a small cupboard, which is extremely warm, we thought it best to wait until the climate was better. But uh, be prepared uh, for that. Uh, Zuk Zukski donated five pounds as always. Thank you very much indeed. Donald Mackay donated five pounds. Thank you, Donald. And Remborn donated 50 British pounds. Remborn, thank you so much. This is the mother of all videos, the mother of all altercations. It belongs to the Merseyside Pensioners Association who've gone viral across the entire world with this. Take a look. But, um, I don't know how you've got the guts to come to this city after you have been being interviewed and doing columns for the Sun newspaper, after the way we as a city were abused 
and after the way we as a city, the Hillsborough um, victims were abused by that paper and you've come here. Secondly, you lied to us about uniting the party. I'm still a Labour Party member and you've expelled and witch-hunted in the most vicious way I've ever seen in my lifetime. And I've been a member of the Labour Party for a long, long time. You have absolutely said you had 10 pledges, you were going to carry on the Corbyn legacy. And ever since you've done nothing to distance yourself from the ideas which tens of thousands of people joined the Labour Party to support. And you, all you've done is feed into the Tory ideology of not supporting strikes, of carrying on with the privatisation of our health service. You're doing everything yeah, to feed into a Tory victory. Like but we may as well have a Tory if we have a person like you who lies to the party. It's a dishonesty. Thank you very much. And our health service is kept right much. down the pants. And you have a big responsibility to the working class people right. of this country. Can you back, Excuse me. Excuse me, you are just don't be getting physical. No, I'm not touching you. you can you move back then, please? You're such a man, breast. Can you move back, please? Now move back. Now can you move I won't back, get please? to the toilet. Toilet, that, Now that is courage. That's what you call speaking truth to power. Mind you, although he sat there like a block of wood, like a big stumer, without a flicker of understanding or reflection visible at least on his face. I can't believe that man's a Queen's counsel. I wouldn't pay him to represent me on a parking offence. But the very next day, he took condign justice to its nth degree. He expelled that old lady, that battling pensioner. He expelled her from the Labour Party after decades of membership because he knew he'd been filmed being called out accurately and powerfully by an old lady. And she's with us now. Not so old, actually, Audrey. You're a glamorous pensioner, I've always thought. Thanks for joining us on the Mother of All talk shows. For, the, uh, for those that are not amongst the millions uh, that have now watched that video, what did it feel like? Well, very, very satisfying, might I say. Um, I think we just at the, at the end of the day, I said what a lot of people wanted to say. I, I knew he was going to be there, but I didn't have a, a script. I um, definitely knew I wanted to tackle him over the Hillsborough. I wanted to tackle him about the witch hunt. I knew I wanted to tackle him about um, his betrayal of uh, the Corbyn movement. And uh, I was very angry that um, the tactics he's adopted since it, the dishonesty of him. And I just really wanted to uh, be as powerful as I can. But yet, yet I did know he was going to be there. Um, I found out, I can't say how, but I did find out. And uh, the people outside were members of my pensioners' association. I'm uh, the secretary of the Merseyside Pensioners' Association. And I'm so proud of what we did. I'm so proud of all the decades of experience and activism, you know, that were there that day and behind us, you know, all our members were in support of that action. So, yeah, it was great. It was great to do it. And it was great to start the floodgates because it really has started the floodgates, hasn't it? 
<laughs> People have gone absolutely bizarre. It really has. It it really has. But did he did he have nothing to say? He didn't look like he he looked like a particularly hand-picked husband getting a big row off his wife. He was stunned. He, he, he seemed to be struck dumb. But don't you think people like him don't think they have to be accountable to anybody? And he certainly wasn't going to be accountable to a member, uh, you know, an old woman in Liverpool. I mean, if that had been from the home counties, he might have said, uh, oh, sit down, have a glass of wine, you know. He might have done that, um, but he didn't know how to handle um, what I said at all because it was all 100% true. And as far as saying anything, um, I did mention um, the anti-Semitism, which isn't in the film. And I did mention the fact that I'd won uh, a libel case against the Jewish Chronicle and so on. And um, it was just struck dumb. And I said, I've sent you a letter. And he's, the only thing he said is, well, I'll read it. Um, and that was it. So in effect, he said nothing. Um, and the letter, suspended that many times. Well, I don't know how many times I've lost track. But um, they just do nothing. There's no the court report. Just read the court report. You know the games they play, the lack of transparency, the lack of fairness, the absolute criminality from somebody who's supposed to be, you know. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Top, top legal, legal brain. He's doing it deliberately, isn't he? Considering how much money they spend on spin doctoring and so on, they all handled it so very badly. Uh, everybody knows, it's rudimentary, that if you've got someone, particularly a woman, particularly a pensioner, uh, who's, who's giving you a row, the last thing you do is ask a goon to manhandle her, but that's what happened on the video. Yeah, I'm going to be speaking to a lawyer because I want to know that man's name. I want to know his name. I want to know what role he was playing there. And I want to know what right he had to manhandle me. And uh, a lawyer's going to be getting in touch with him. So I haven't had the time to uh, get started yet, but I certainly will. And uh, I have been offered help, you know, by, by lawyers. I mean, I've been very lucky uh, that... I always seem to get some good support behind me when I need it and I've never had to pay anything out in legal fees. 
and I've had some good victories in my life against um, injustice. And I think it's just because I've always fought very hard. I, and very I feel that, uh, yeah. You, you've had many uh, victories because you've, you've got bottle. You are a courageous person and you know that what you're saying is unanswerably true. Um, but why are you wasting your time in the Labour Party, Audrey, now that they've booted you out? It's time to call that a day and look for something else now, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Can I say, George, I am a trade unionist first and foremost. I am a trade unionist. And that's where the power lies at the present time. When the war was raging in a, against Iraq and Afghanistan and they were trying to build up to a war in um, Iran and so on, I was absolutely 100% committed to the anti-war movement. And I still get involved. Uh, you know, I organise... Um, demonstrations and public meetings and um, we had Tariq Ali, I organised Tariq Ali to come down um, only be just before Christmas. So, you know, it's not one thing or the other. You know, I'm involved in a local uh, community group uh, for um, a local garden that the council wanted to hive off and build on and, and we fought and won that. We put bees on there and we have it for the community now. There's not just one battle to be had. And the Labour Party has never been the real vehicle for change. It was only because we had Corbyn, you know. Uh, and, and when you think about it, George, you were witch-hunted. When you were witch-hunted in the Labour Party for the absolutely tremendous stand you took, you were a giant, well, you still are, but you were a giant the way you took on Tony Blair and the way you led that movement, one of many who led that movement, but you were, and you were witch-hunted. Now, we've all had our space in the Labour Party and battled, and, you know, there's life outside the Labour Party. The Labour Party is, uh, you know, a bit of a desert now. The democracy's gone, the leadership's gone, The uh, and we only had it for a blink of an eyelid. We only had it while we had Corbyn and... Um, policies that were worth fighting for. To be honest with you, I just um, have stayed in there to fight for those ideas because you fight for them wherever you stand, wherever organisation you're in. Well, you uh, fight. I've, uh, I, 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 I've absolutely no doubt that you will continue to fight and I hope to uh, be fighting alongside you. Maybe we can team up. Audrey White, thanks for joining us on the mother of all talk shows, hats off to the Merseyside Pensioners Association and a big raspberry to Keith Starmer, your coward, your big girl's blouse, sending a goon to manhandle a pensioner woman in Liverpool. We don't hold with that kind of thing in great working class cities. Kia, you just made a very big mistake in the way that you handled that. That's really the size of it. I'm asking for one dollar, one pound, and not even for this show, because this show is covered. But on the 12th of October, we will relaunch the midweek mother of all talk shows. We've already relaunched the podcast that we had to close down, and it's burning up the tracks. It's uh, getting back to its former strength very rapidly indeed. We've figure that within three or four weeks it will be right back up there. 
on the numbers it was before. And many people value a podcast. Incidentally, were the podcast numbers counted in that figure I gave you earlier? If they were not, then actually the audience was more than one million. The answers just come in my ear. They were not counted. So actually, I can proclaim that last Sunday was a millionth audience show. So we're relaunching on Wednesdays at 10 p.m. though, uh, to allow some of our American audience to get in from work uh, or to listen on the way back home from work. Uh, It'll be uh, on the 12th of October at 10 p.m., the midweek mother of all talk shows. But we don't have a sponsor for that. That needs to have a fighting fund, and that's what people are donating uh, to. You can donate on the Super Chat function on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, please do that. But if you're not watching on YouTube, if you're watching on Catch Up, for example, then go to our website, moat.tv, and go to the Donate button and give what you can, any sum. As I say, $1, one pound, ain't I worth it? Now, uh, Michael Kluwer says if Russia continues to sell oil to China at all and only accept gold or rubles or yuan, it spells the demise of the petrodollar, ergo the dollar. So no need money going into the dollar now as it's deemed least worst, but that is unsustainable. Indeed, unsustainable. Let me turn, if I may, for a short soliloquy on the situation in China. The idea of Wuzi Pelusi, the drunken speaker of the House of Representatives. She's used to be better before lunch, but now she's better before breakfast. She can bring the world to outright war between the United States and its allies and the People's Republic of China. Are you ready to follow Nancy Pelosi into war? And yet, That's what has almost now happened. China has mobilized its armed forces. It is mobilizing its population of 1.5 billion people. Its public information all day today has been around one simple slogan, prepare for war. The Chinese armed forces are armed and ready to fight. Their motivation could not be doubted. If any fool doubts their motivation, I really hope they give themselves a shake. Because the People's Liberation Army has been going for a long time and it's never, ever lost a war. And they ain't going to lose a war against the United States either. Now, here's the point I wish to make, which is different from any commentary that you will find anywhere else. And it's this. It is, I assume, uh, the implied assumption in Western capitals that China will go on waiting to see what the West intends to do. To sit there like a sitting target, wondering if one day Taiwan will declare independence with American military backing, if one day they'll wake up to discover that American nuclear weapons have been sighted on the island of Taiwan, they 
implied assumption is that China will go on waiting because, of course, nobody does waiting like the Chinese. They can wait for centuries, but eventually they act. And when they act, they act with overwhelming force. Now, here's my thesis, which you won't hear anywhere else and may even be suppressed in this broadcast. Actually, China may preemptively act against the Western powers that are now arriving in such numbers, such belligerent, aggressive numbers in the South China Sea and in these Straits of Taiwan. And if you think about it, why wouldn't they? If they imagine that one day the West is going to make a decisive move against China, wouldn't this be a good time to act preemptively, wouldn't it? After all, war on two fronts and all that, the West is already going to hell in a handcart as a result of the war in Ukraine. Well, they're going to fight a second war against Russia and against China? Seriously? There has never been in political, economic, energy, currency, and military terms a better time for China to act preemptively. Now, China has done this before. After the show, look up the Yangtze incident in 1949, just after the victory of the Chinese Communist Party. They sank a Royal Navy ship up the Yangtze. They fired rockets right up its Yangtze and sunk it. It became known as the Yangtze incident. Jolly Jack Tars were outraged in Portsmouth and Plymouth, and there may very well be coming a Straits of Taiwan incident. If it does happen, remember that you heard it here first. And secondly, on Zelensky. He's really taking you for a ride. I say you because I'm confident that every one of you watching has been taken for a ride by Mr. and Mrs. Zelensky. And if you were in any doubt about that, you haven't seen this week's Vogue. Is it weekly or monthly? It's monthly. It's on the front page. This time, not Mr., but Mrs. Zelensky. She wasn't surrounded by sackfuls taxpayer dollars, but she might have been, metaphorically. These people are taking you for fools. It's your economy that is fast heading for a cliff, the bottom of which may well kill you, will certainly Break your legs and your back. That's what's happened to the Western economies in support of the Zelensky coup regime in Kiev. And they're not trying to hide it. They're buying lavish properties in all the best addresses. In Tel Aviv, in Paris, in London, in Florida. They're posing. They're laughing at you behind the pages 
of Vogue and Vanity Fair and all the glossy magazines. As I said at the beginning, if you are prepared to accept that, there's really not much I can do about it. But don't come complaining when you're paying a third of your wages on your gas bill. Let me take some uh, calls. Andrew Wojcicki donated 10 Canadian dollars. Many thanks to you. Zach Boyles donated $1.99. That's the stuff. Get everyone giving $1.99. And Bok Jan Duma. I'm looking to my wife for Netherlands Dutch pronunciation. Bokka Jan Duma donated 10 euros. Thank you very much. And says, here's to the pensioner from hell. On the line is my old friend Melvin, who's just donated. He's on the line from New York about Nancy Pelosi. Melvin, welcome back. Yeah, okay, thank you very much. Nice to talk to you again. Um, okay, so on the, the fact of Nancy Pelosi, one thing I got from RT News today uh, was that China decided that they, if, if when Nancy Pelosi goes there, that they're going to encircle with their fighters. Uh, this was on RT News. So that just for a little bit of, of news about this. The second thing is, is now, like, if you go all the way back to Iraq and a whole bunch of other wars, it was really fought over, like, Saddam Hussein literally was ready to drop the American dollar when we decided to go in the second time. And due to the fact that China is pretty much dropping the American dollar, do you think that that's the reason the United States are pushing for reasons like sending Nancy Pelosi there to antagonize China to literally start a war again over the same genre over the American dollar? You know, when I watched One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, I found it impossible to discern the reasons why the maniacs in the world behaved as they did. And I have to answer you honestly, I have no idea at all why you would risk world peace to send Boozy Pelosi on a state visit to Taiwan. Let's put the cards on the table, Melvin. Taiwan is not a country. No country in the whole world recognizes Taiwan as a country. Everybody in the whole world recognizes Taiwan as part of China. That's the meaning of the term one China policy. And that is still the policy of the United States. So how can you send your third highest public official on a state visit to a part of somebody else's country. If Texas declared itself a renegade, breakaway province of the United States, and China and Russia sent their leadership to go and visit it, it would be a casus belli. It would be a cause of war between those countries and the United States. And yet that is what Pelosi and her visit is doing. It's a breakaway province of China. That is the legal position at the United Nations, in the White House, in Washington, in 10 Downing Street, in every chancery in the world. Nobody recognizes Taiwan as an independent country, and even Taiwan doesn't want to be an independent 
countries. So why did they send her of all people on such a mission, a drunk arriving from Washington? What could possibly go wrong? So I can't answer your question, Melvin, any more than I can discern the actions of Ward 5 at Broadmoor. Sarkar is in Glasgow, in Scotland. Go ahead, Sarkar. George, thank you so much for having me on the show. By the way, George, the only Vogue I'm a fan of is the song by Marona Vogue. I'd like to make this very clear. Not the magazine, what they have done. Anyway, back to something more serious, George. The West have been having an obsession over the past, since the World War, to totally wipe, to totally decimate the contribution of Russia through Hollywoodization of their war victories. No one ever forgot that Russia in times of crisis have always stood with the West fighting the Nazis. No one should forget that 10 million people getting sacrificed. Ever since the Ukraine war started, the West have put sanctions on top of sanctions on Russia. For the past six years, they've been accusing Russia of meddling in American elections and making Donald Trump win, not a single shred of evidence. While the West have got their own dictators instilled in so many countries by overthrowing democratically elected governments, they put sanctions on Russia. Guess what? The ruble is one of the strongest now. Germany are now switching off their lights for the public buildings. The AFD on Germany is on the rise. They're prepared to stop that. They're prepared to freeze in the winter. They're prepared to shut down their factories, cause massive recession, unemployment, which will bite the entire EU. Why? Because they are all busy appeasing the Western American masters just to poke the Russians in the eye. Have they forgot? Russia has been giving them gas for the past 65, 70 years. Yeah, but for how long? And that's down to us. We can blame uh, idiots like Truss and so on, but the real idiot is us. We are allowing it. The, the Dutch farmers, the country alight in their opposition to that anti from Brussels. The Canadian truckers, the yellow vests in France, what are we doing in Britain? What are we doing in the Are we just punch bags? The our rulers called at us. The fool is us, not the fool on the hill in the White House or the fool on the hill in the Capitol. No, the fool is us putting up it so quietly, so passively, without even lifting a finger in defense of our families and our interests. In the course of the winter, there will be water in public buildings. None. So when the spread of diseases happens, They'll have a ready-made scapegoat. No hot water means no proper washing of the hands. How many people are going to properly wash their hands in bitterly cold water in the European continent in the course of this winter? There will be no lights on public buildings throughout Europe, throughout the European Union, for the whole winter, when it's dark at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Prime 
including crimes of violence, including crimes against women, in the dark, will mount, will rapidly rise, because they're having to switch off all their lights. You're going to have to pay America through the nose for LPG that your ports can't even handle in order to uh, unload, rather than the gas that was flowing for decades without interruption at a stable low price coming from Russia. The Nord Stream 2 is there and is closed by fear from Washington, decided not in Berlin, but in Washington by Trump and then by Biden and Blinken. If you opened the Nord Stream 2, you could have all the Russian gas that you wanted, as long as you paid for it in rubles. What's wrong with that? I have, I, I'm in a foreign country right now. I have to pay them in their money. I can't offer them shillings and pence because that's my money. I have to pay them in their money. Especially as we've stolen 400 billion assets that they were foolish to trust in our banks. Eve is in Idaho. CIA, go ahead, Eve. Hello. Yes, I, um, I wanted to start by your point that Lavrov made that the quality of the leader in the West is declining very rapidly. And when you hear that not one person, but a, a whole group of persons is modified, you think about the great... Um, Botanist, uh, or not botanist, uh, I would say, uh, the, the great uh, uh, scientist Darwin, who explained that if you have a, a bird, for instance, and this bird lay eggs in two different islands, if an island requires to have a long beak, then there will be a, a selection to get the long beak to to you know, to eat. And the, what, what appears is that Mike Pompeo told us what's required to succeed at the CIA. He said you have to cheat, you have to steal, and you have to, to lie. That's what they are teaching at the CIA. Therefore, if you are good at it naturally, you will be selected. If you are good at all three, You'll like Mike well, Pompeo... Yeah. <laughs> you become you become yeah, the leader. Selection brought Mike Pompeo, yeah. But no, yes, and you can see that they are all the same. Uh, they are, you know, other like uh, like uh, uh, the woman before. She destroyed all the evidence of torture, you know. So, uh, which is a way of cheating. So now some people, you know, like like uh, like uh, uh, Donald Trump is a very good thief. You see, because he has done real estate in New York where this is a required uh, skill, 
but he was not very good at lying. You know, he, he has a tendency to say, you know, uh, to blush when he, when he lies. If you take Colin Powell, for instance, you know, he lied, but he, he has remorse, you know, so he, he was not as good. But this is the point, is to say that, so that's my first point, is that uh, the deep state, in fact, are not individual. It's a collection of ecosystems, which um, uh, it's a collection of, of ecosystems which encourage the people with certain skills. And this is why, for instance, your prime minister, you have the choice between uh, three or four people. They are all the same. They will do all the same. It doesn't matter who it is. So that was my last Absolutely point. correct. No, Eve, uh, yeah, I'm grateful uh, to you on that because there's not a lot of time left. I need to press on. Daniel is in Bradford. Go ahead, Daniel. Hi. So basically, it's all kicking off on Twitter. Uh, basically, Kosovo saying that Serbia's planning on attacking them and then Serbia saying, oh, we're not attacking them. That's fake news. Uh, Liz Cookman from NATO says Serbia plans on trying to denazify the Balkans. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with that sort of story from Ukraine. Uh, I'm just wondering, uh, what's your opinions on uh, the alleged uh, invasion of uh, Kosovo from Serbia? Well, the invasion is the other way around uh, from the news that I have read. The people that have been shot are Serbian border guards on the Serbian side of the border. Look, Kosovo is not a country. It's not a state. It's a NATO protectorate. It exists only on the teeth of NATO and the European Union. It was uh, carved as a an entity for geopolitical reasons to confront and help break up uh, socialist Yugoslavia. It was a device used, an early one, uh, to confront not just uh, Yugoslavia, but behind it, its ally and co-religionist in Russia. This has to be seen through the prism of the NATO war against Russia. If war breaks out now, between Kosovo and Serbia, it will be a NATO-Serbia war. It will be another front in the war against uh, Russia because the Serbian people, my wife and I were recently at the Red Star Belgrade Cup semi-final and every, every chant, every single chant of the crowd at Red Star Belgrade was for Russia. Their smoke bombs were red, white, and blue. Uh, the Russian flag was everywhere in Serbia. You could not get a more pro-Russian population anywhere on the planet. So did they invade Kosovo or did Kosovo invade them? You tell me. I have a very strong suspicion uh, that it was the other way around. But thanks, Daniel. Sorry to disagree with you if I did. Uh, Richard is in Manchester. Go ahead, Richard. 
Uh, hello, George. Thank you very much indeed again for having me on your show. I do really appreciate it. I'm very proud to be associated with such a great man who's done so much for the, for the poor people of this country and you've kept it going and I don't know how you've had the willpower because I've been feeling it in the last six months, George, because of what is happening and people trying to overturn Brexit and stuff like that and it gets you... Not down, but you think, God, what Thank on you. earth is going to happen? No, no, and, no um, never, never, never let them, never let them get you down, uh, Richard. Uh, it's never over until you surrender. Uh, yes. Even death isn't over because we leave our inspiration in our children and amongst the public that will later listen to us. So the only, the only end is when you give up, and you and I will never give up. No, I will never give up. But at the end of the day, we're talking about the big money people, the Soruses, Tony Blair's getting involved in something that he shouldn't be getting involved in, trying to overcome Brexit. And uh, is, is, is uh, Doberman Pinchy, Alistair Campbell, who's on the go up in Scotland. He's picking up a fortune trying to... Uh, you know, trying to get everybody up in Scotland to uh, to stop Brexit, and it, it's all a big, big game. And they're making that much money, George. It's it's unbelievable, and it, it's greed. And Lord, the Lord's looking down. And he's going, one day it's all going to get sorted out. And you give us the inspiration. You give us the power to look at things in a dispassionate way you argue or you agree you argue and agree and you put on a very very good show for the general people and i think if there's millions listening to your show uh, wherever george um it's only good for the future of the world the world and looking after the poor people it's not the ones that filthy stinking rich it's the poor that we always have to, you know, look after. My humble beginnings as a coal miner's son with 13 kids in the family, you know, I learned a hell of a lot. When I was successful and I built a big business up and so on, I always looked after my employees, whether they'd be Muslims or whatever. And we, you know, we had a good time. I'm, I'm retired and well out of it now, George. I think, uh, I think you probably know, but um, I still fight for the mm -hmm. right of the people. You do. And God willing, that will be recognized and we'll be together one day in the other life. Richard, thanks uh, very much indeed uh, for that. Uh, OP donated uh, £4.99. Is that €4.99? Euros Thank you very much, uh, OP. He says, uh, hi, George, might the ascension of the 30 watt to the top of the pile prompt you to reconsider your position on Scottish independence and then... He goes on to say something in Scottish Gaelic, which I can't pronounce. Please forgive me, OP. I do love the Gaelic, uh, and I do want to see it thrive, but I cannot speak it. Uh, Howell Merlewin Hughes donates £8.99. Howell, my apologies if I mispronounced your middle name. Jim Christensen donated one Canadian dollar. Great. Everybody give one dollar. Everyone can do that. Every one of you can give one dollar. And Aaron Day donated 10 pounds and says, keep up the good work. How about your position on independence? I will never support the breakup of Britain. I don't believe in breaking up countries. I didn't believe in breaking up Serbia. And inventing Kosovo, I didn't believe in breaking up Yugoslavia. I didn't believe 
and don't believe in breaking up Ireland. I certainly oppose the partition of Ireland. Nothing could be more idiotic than on a small island dividing it into two countries when we are the same people. We speak the same language. We have the same culture. We have the same economic interests. And we are an historically constituted people of many hundreds of years. So it would only be a backward step, just like the partition of Ireland was a backward step. And so many of people who once upon a time were friends of mine were very happy that I opposed the partition of Ireland, but want me to support the partition of Britain. Go figure. That would be cynical. Last call of the evening, I'm afraid, is from Julian in London on China. Go ahead, Julian. Hello, George. A lot of tension between America and China. I was learning a little bit about China today from Heiko Ku, whom I think you know. He does the uh, London Karl Marx walking tour. I know. Well, yeah. Yeah, and he's got a lot to say about China. He'd be seen as pro-China. He doesn't think that China are perfect, but he mentioned a couple of good things uh, that I didn't know. For example, if you work um, in a company, the manager has to be elected. That suggests to me much more people power at a sort of a local level. And he even said that really the, the government are calling themselves the Communist Party because that's the will of the people. It's not so much that the people are being dictated to, but the the government is held to account by the Chinese just as the French hold their government to account. And we're very quick to say, oh, the French wouldn't let their government get away with that. Well, I think the similar culture uh, exists in China. Well, that, that's what he was implying. Well, look, uh, the government of China is a matter only for the people of China. Uh, I didn't pick their current government and have no right to insist upon its removal. It is in time so old-fashioned, Julian. I grew up in the time where non-interference in the internal affairs of other countries was an article of faith and law in the world. Of course, individuals in every society can agitate for this or that cause in other countries. But the state itself would not, could not dream of interfering in the internal affairs of other states because that way leads to war and conflict. And war and conflict are the antithesis of the interests of the mass of the people in all countries. So uh, how China is run, how they elect their managers and so on is interesting to me, but it's not my business. What is my business is that my country, your country, and the country that Joe Biden misleads is currently steaming towards in the case of Nancy Pelosi, literally steaming towards the potential of nuclear war. And as I've said before, there is no issue more than 
the preservation of peace in the world, the avoidance of nuclear war, to which at this stage in my life I can be more committed as the father of five of them, most of them working right now on this very show, avoiding nuclear conflict with China could scarcely have any issue of greater moment. It's been marvelous uh, for me. Ah, here's a point that Carl Ja brought up, and I meant to say it. As Nancy Pelosi departs for Asia, a reminder that the CIA blew up Zhuan Lai's plane from Hong Kong to Jakarta was an Air India, Princess Kashmir, it was called, in 1955. Zhu was on his way to the first Afro-Asian conference in Bandung, in Indonesia, from whence my good wife comes. As it happened, Zhu and Lai had a last-minute change of itinerary, and he escaped, but 16 people paid with their lives. So if America and the CIA can blow up the airplane of the foreign minister of China, don't bet on China not blowing up an airplane bringing Boozy Pelosi to the renegade province of Taiwan. It's been marvelous for me. I hope it was for you. I'll be back on Wednesday at 10 p.m. with the uh, Galloway show. Lord Charfield donated £4.49 and says, Richard is spot on. Join the Workers' Party of Great Britain. Michael Horseman donated US$1.99. Jeffrey Long donated US$2.99 Australian dollars and says, a very inspiring guest from Liverpool. Kudos. And Mick A donated five British pounds and says, Moats is the light at the end of the tunnel. Thank you, Mick. There'll soon be no lights at the end of the tunnel, except the mother of all talk shows. I'll be back on Wednesday at 10 p.m. UK time with The Galloway Show, only on YouTube, and back on all platforms next Sunday with the mother of all talk shows. Spread the word. Bring another view. 